Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy Chuck and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Chuck, do all big cities, particularly downtown on the concrete jungle, they all smell the same. They all have that same odor, don't they? Well, they do have that concrete smell. You're yeah. right. And I, I think don't know. It's you a guys co- were talking about Houston. When I think about Houston, the worst traffic city in America. You can but drive, I don't know about the smell. You can go from North Houston to South Houston. You can spend two hours and never leave Houston. Is that bad? And it's not just bumper to bumper. It's just a long ways across there. But Chuck's right. The traffic's bad. I guess I don't remember that when we went back in 2014 for the Texas Bowl, but I, I remember. Oh, I, I remember being there for the regional against Rice, and every time I left the hotel, I took a wrong turn. I had to just like allow 20 minutes for wrong turns whenever Jeez. I went anywhere. Chuck, it was terrible. And all- I'm a great driver. I'm a great city driver. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> but you uh, I met Self-pro- my match. Self-proclaimed. Huh? I met my match in Houston. Is it all one ways? Is that why it's difficult to no, get around there? I don't there? know what it is. It's just, you know, I was we stayed, just, uh, I struggled. It, we stayed in downtown Houston for that bowl game. And it was like 630. They rolled up the sidewalks. There was no restaurants. There was very little open or to do. Oh, really? Downtown You're in Houston. You're the wrong part of town. Exactly. We, we <laughs> made a poor choice. Sounds like it. <laughs> Made a poor choice on that. I, I mean, you you got a few years on me, but do you ever remember in your lifetime, Chuck, going to the Dallas Metroplex where road construction wasn't an issue? Oh, I mean, yeah. I've I've been around for nearly fifty years, and as a kid, as an adult, as a younger adult, I never remember going to Dallas where there weren't barrels up somewhere. Well, that's progress. Oh, you know, yeah. that's what it is. When you're growing, you got to build more roads. I don't know who the hell Sam Rayburn was, but he built a hell of a tollway out there. So they're well. raking in. Yeah, Sam raking. Rayburn was a pretty powerful guy back in the day. And wasn't he a congressman or? Yeah, part of the Watergate deal was investigation. He? That's kind of how he oh. came to fame. So you're looking at me. Well, Chuck, you're in Nashville. <laughs> Well, you're um, just a walking encyclopedia, aren't you? On with sports, not yeah. with not with anything political with or anything, sports. whatever. Yeah. Chuck, how many uh, shut-the-cluck-up chicken tenders did you have yesterday? That's what Haven't had any. Me. Haven't had any yet. Haven't had any yet. Oh, but, but today's sure young. That, today's <laughs> early. Today's young. Today's young. You're right. A, Team got here. They'll practice today, and uh, everything's good to go. Uh, Sam Pittman, or sorry, so you said I was talking about Sam Pittman. Or Eric Mussman, he, he was cracking me up yesterday in the exchange that him and Bob had. How many polos are you packing? As many as their potential games could be. Okay. Do you pack or does Danielle pack for you? I, I packed. I asked her to fold the polos, but I had to do them myself today for whatever reason. Maybe we needed to win one of those last three for her to pack for me. So he's got four at least. I don't know if he'll wear all four, but they got to win this game tomorrow night. He'll suit up in that Razorback polo tomorrow night, as we know, accustomed with the slacks. And uh, just listening to him talk about Auburn yesterday, sure seems like Prome is the guy that they're, they're keying in on, Chuck. The most important game of any tournament is the first game. It's the hardest game. And uh, it'll be a hard game tomorrow night. It'll be a hard game for Arkansas, and it'll be a hard game for Auburn. And uh, they've, um, you know, we've not seen them in a while. They're a different team, I'm sure, in many respects than the one we saw at the first of the year. And, um, you know, Arkansas is going to have to, you know, obviously play much better than they've been playing. But, you know, it starts on the defensive end in this system, and um, that's kind of where they've fallen short in the last three games. So um, we'll see if they're able to turn that part around. Here's the thing about tournament play is, you know, once you get past 48 hours from that season finale, you know, and the – you know, the sting of, in this case, the loss and the film and all the things you got to go through in the aftermath of a game, you do get a second wind. And, you know, everybody is 0-0. And there is, I think, the sense from a Razorback perspective that you are going to play next weekend. But this team needs to win. 
I mean, when you're on a losing streak, you need a win more than anything. I think tomorrow night's game is very important, not from a are you going to get in the big dance standpoint, but are you going to stay in the big dance when you get there? Mm-hmm. Or are you just going to make an appearance? Are you just going to make a cameo and leave? Um, I think you need to win. I'm not saying you need to win the tournament. I'm not saying you, you, know, you need to uh, get to Saturday or Sunday. I'm just saying you need to beat Auburn. You need to get off this losing skid. I'm just looking at the bracket, and it, it just a thought crossed my mind. You know, Tennessee will take on either Ole Miss or South Carolina. Vanderbilt gets LSU or Georgia. Those are the games that are played tonight. I wonder if it's easier or more, or more difficult from a coaching perspective, a game-planning perspective. You know, Arkansas and Auburn have both had several days now since the end of the regular season to get ready for one another. You know, Tennessee and Vanderbilt, while, you know, on paper Ole Miss or South Carolina should be an easier opponent, you, you kind of got to prepare and plan for two based on who you who, who may win that game. I wonder, just from a scouting, game planning, prep perspective, um, which boat you'd rather be in, knowing who you're going to play or having to wait till Wednesday night's results to figure out who you get on Thursday. Oh, I think you could probably make a case for both. I mean, sometimes the teams that play from 11 to 14 are – you know, inferior. There's just no other way to put it. And you're playing a team that's not as good as you are. But I'm sure from a, you know, from a scout perspective, from a prep perspective, the fact that, you know, you've got to, you know, you got to prepare for two. And then, you know, you may have a game, you may have a game tonight where somebody goes off. You know, somebody that you've got in your scouting report, but maybe he's not the focal point of your scouting report. And all of a sudden, after tonight, he becomes the focal point of your scouting report. So, yeah, it's it's different, I guess, in that respect. Arkansas has the advantage in that they have played Auburn before, and as you say, both sides have had the chance to prepare for one another since Sunday, basically. Um, but Auburn's a better team. You know, Auburn's better. And uh, so, yep. you know, that's the flip side. Mm-hmm. And I thought always thought it was in somewhat of an advantage that Thursday teams had over Friday teams. And while the Friday teams are typically better as a top four, you get used to playing there. 40-minute practice isn't getting used to the goals. It's not getting used to your bearings and the surroundings. And that's why you don't necessarily have a Thursday team that wins the SEC championship every year. But a lot of times you have a Thursday team that gets to Saturday and gets to Sunday, and they beat a team on Friday just because they have that one-game advantage of playing in that said gym, Bridgestone Arena. That's what Arkansas has, at least on Thursday, if they're able to beat Auburn. Well, maybe. I mean, maybe. Um, perhaps. You'd have to go back and look at the records. I mean, I don't know what the records are. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. You'd have to go back and look. I'm going to guess that the higher-seeded team, the better teams, won most of the time. Uh, I hear what you're saying. And let's say you have a game on Thursday night where, man, you're just clicking on all cylinders. You know, I'm, I mean, all of a sudden the light clicks on and you're on a run. And all of a sudden you carry through on Friday and you beat a team that's seated higher than you are. And you do feed off the momentum from the game the day before, the night before. But I'm not sure that the good teams still don't win most of those games. And I guess this will be the first time since Hawaii where you'll play potentially three to four days in a row. I mean, that's part of the postseason where, you know, you got to do that this in SEC play, then you get a day off in the NCAA tournament. But that's one of the difficult parts of this event is there's no there's no rest days, there's no uh, there's no time off in between games. Well, you got to ride on adrenaline. You got to yeah. you, you know you got to ride the wave, and that's that's how tournaments work when you get to this this point. I mean, you know, if uh, if you're making a run and you get to Sunday, you're not tired anymore. You know that's just uh, that's just kind of how it works. And but here's the thing: you look at college basketball right now. I mean, most most teams are playing seven or eight guys right now. Everybody's mm-hmm. doing the same thing. Uh, you know, you've got one or two outliers that go a little bit deeper, but most of the time you're going seven or eight deep. You think back to what happened out there in Hawaii. But I think about that third game. I mean, Kamani hadn't even played two and a half games. He hadn't even played. And they put him out there in the game. He was the only one with fresh legs. He was a hero too. And, well, because he was the only one with fresh legs. And, you know, sometimes you get into a situation where a guy gives you something on that third or fourth day that maybe you didn't get from him the first or second day because he's the freshest guy out there at the critical moments. He may not be the best player out there, but he's the freshest guy out there. That's that's what happened over in Hawaii. And so, you know, I'll bet you whoever's around, if it's not, you know, if this doesn't go by the chalk, if it's not – 
you know, Alabama and A&M or Alabama and Kentucky there at the end, um, you're, you're, you're probably going to have a player or two who does that. And that's, that's what you have to have happen if you're going to get on a run. Let's talk about Kamani for a sec. So he had a pretty strong senior day. I know the team lost, but I thought he brought positive energy, got rebounds, got that flagrant on Shebway, and also had a steal or two and just, I thought, played well. Coach was talking about him yesterday in the presser. Do you think he gets more minutes than maybe he's consistently gotten the last couple weeks based on his leadership experience and the fact that he had a really good game against Kentucky? Oh, I think it's based on what we saw out in Hawaii. I think it's strategic. I think you have to pick your spots with him. Um, you know, Kamani basically dares the officials to call a foul. I mean, that's what he does. That's, that, that, that's how he plays defense. He dares you to call a foul. Sometimes they do. Um, so, you know, I think you got to pick your spots with a player like that. Let's talk to Drew, who's in Springdale. He's got some basketball thoughts. Good morning, Drew. Good morning, guys. Hey, I had a, a question about the tournaments, SEC and the NCAA. Since we have the Basketball Palace of America, how come we never host any of these events at, here in Fayetteville? Isn't that a lodging thing? In the fact they that don't have the, them on campuses. They don't have it on campus. They're not going to have it in somebody's home arena. Been in Little Rock, Drew. They had uh, a, a first and second round in Little Rock, two thousand eight. Is that okay? I couldn't it's remember great. the year, but I was going to say ten or fifteen years ago. So, but it's like Chuck said. They generally they, they don't host on campus. Oh, okay, okay. I never realized that was the case. I see them all over the place and in odd places. And now years and ago, that we seem to have. They have. Uh, yeah. That's I, I don't know if that's entirely true. The Yum Center's host in Louisville, not on right? campus, but it's is, not an on campus. Is it not? No, that's a city. Uh, that's 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 a uh, that's a downtown arena, just okay. like Rupp Arena. So it's off campus. I, and maybe I, I just took it. So when you, it just has to even. Well, now are, are we talking about the conference tournament or the NCAA tournament? I I thought he was talking about the SEC tournament. I think he's talking about both. He was asking about both. Yeah. No, I I don't I don't I don't I don't think you're going to see that happen. Yeah, not in and fit. what they and the other thing, Drew, is in the regionals, um, they've went to arenas, you know, to like football, like domes mm-hmm. and bigger arenas to to have more seating uh, in some cases, and a lot of times they're NBA arenas. MSG uh, baby. And what's happened over the last, Chuck, you've seen this, uh, you know, with your time with the team, they've went places where they got suites because you know the old arenas that have limited premium seating and. And corporate suite sales and all that, th- those facilities no longer work. And it's about the dollar. And they, they want to have that premium seating. A lot of the NBA arenas will have two levels of premium uh, suites they can rent out for the top I dollar. Th- I'm like, sure that's true. I'm sure that I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know all their, their maneuvering, but I'm sure there's truth to that. The Chase Center, good example right. last year where Arkansas And played. then you, you look at where they're playing Final Fours now, mm-hmm. you know, Houston this year. I mean, they're, they're putting them in football, well, usually foot- NFL for the Final Four because they can cram yeah, yeah, the 60,000 uh, in there. The football stadiums are for the Final Four. Yeah. They go with basketball arenas for the regional finals, but it's always in a football or generally in a place where they, they play football in the Final Four. But if you look at what they've done in recent years with the regional finals, there are a lot of times, like Memphis has been a a yeah, they're an NBA arena. Because they're used, yeah. that's why I'm saying, they're using NBA, right. which yeah. are generally the newer buildings in downtown areas, but they also have the newest floor plans with the most suites and premium seating. Think, yeah, and they can sell them. Not that the, not that the NCAA is looking to make money already. No, that doesn't sound like them. Chuck, I want to go back to something you said, second win. That, that stood out to me. I, I saw Anthony Black hunched over and really the most tired and dog-legged I've seen him all year. And he was doing his best to gut out through the Kentucky game. But if there's one player on that roster that needs an additional day or two, I think it's him. And I don't think it's close. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think they're all, you know, I don't know if it's close or not. I mean, I think everybody feels the effects of a season this time of year. When I'm talking about second win, I'm, I'm talking about mental second win. Um, you know, when you've lost three games in a row, you need to win. You need a second win. You need something to give you some energy. And um, everybody's tired. I mean, I, I, there's, there's, there's not anybody out there that's ain't tired any, any more tired than anybody else, I don't think. Um, you know, but, yeah, I mean, you got to fight through a lot of things this time of year. This team needs confidence more than it needs anything right That's now. why and I say you yeah. need to win a game. Yeah, I mean, confidence, I, I think they, 
how could you not lose three in a row and, and start yeah. doubting yourself a little sure. bit? And I don't yeah. care how hard the games have been, who the opponents are, where you've had to play them at, three in a row makes you doubt yourself a little bit. Right, and that's that's why I say, I mean, you got to win a game, and uh, the first game's always the most important game. But I think in this in in this case, it's it's doubly so. Usually, not a game two without a game one win. No, that's exactly right. Hey, we're talking about confidence. If you're buying or selling a home, I mean, if 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 that's what you're doing right now. You can have complete confidence in the pros at Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company. And, you know, I say that because these guys are experts at getting you from contract to close. Um, there are a lot of contracts that terminate before they ever get to close. That's one of the things that happens in real estate. If you've been a seller, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Getting the contract signed is not the same as getting it closed. You need an expert in getting you there. You need somebody that operates well below what the national average is in terms of termination. And that's what you get with Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company. Things will come up. If you're dealing with a pro, you may not ever know about it. But they'll come up. And you need somebody on your side of the table who understands how to maneuver through all that, whether you're the seller or the buyer. That was my experience, and I think it'll be your experience, too. Now, they've got an office in Fayetteville. They're in Springdale, Bentonville, Fort Smith, Branson. You're going to see their yellow signs all over town, and you can log on to WeikerGriffin.com. All right, let's talk about what happened in Baumwalker Stadium yesterday. Jace Borfin, he continues to be on a tear. And the pitch to Borfin. Yeah, it's belted to right field. There it goes. This game's tied on the second home run of the inning. Out of here. Borfin hits his third of the year. And the Hogs have come all the way back in the sixth. It's 4-4. Four to four. He's hitting 444 right now. 444. And I know it's early. They're 12 games in. But, I mean, that's about as high as you can get from a baseball percentage standpoint, from a batting average. It's a game of streaks, and he's on a hot one early. And, um, you're, you know, you're, he's not going to hit 444 this year, but um, you ride that wave while you got it going. And he's, you know, he's in a run right now or on a run. And um, it won't be that way all the time, but while it is, man, I mean, you got to, you know, you got to take advantage of it. That's what he's doing. And, yeah, Chuck, I, mean, I forget the player's name. It's 15 years ago or so, and you pointed this out to me one day at a, at a game when I was going to a lot of games back then, and he was a batting practice champion. This guy could crush the ball, and in non-conference play, he had like eight or nine home runs. Aaron Murphy, Aaron Murphy, great guy. Got great into guy. conference play, and you were you were pointing to me about the the the, the swing, and, and there was a little bit of a something in the mechanic, and then once got into long. SC, yeah long swing, and we got into SEC play, no more home runs. So yeah. I mean, I always remember that and caution myself, you know. A player may get out to a hard start, and they may persist and continue that in SEC play, but we got to remember the pitching greatly increases once you start seeing SEC Friday night and Saturday pitchers. I think he had like 12 home runs yeah. in the first 15 or 20 games. I mean, wow. it was amazing. I mean, at one point, he had like nine homers in eight games yeah. or something. And, uh, I mean, it was it was like watching Babe Ruth. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it um, – it and, changes, and then it changed I mean, all of a sudden. Yeah, and now look, you know, Borfin's, uh, um, you know, Borfin's a proven regular. Uh, this is a guy that, uh, I mean, he's 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 done it against conference pitching, not at that level. You know, he's not again. You're not going to hit four forty four all year, but um, this guy's a ball player. Um, you know, when you watch him do what he did defensively the other day, and you know, you can tell when a guy knows how to play the game, and this guy knows how to play the game. He's a good player. Made that uh, probably Arkansas's catch of the year to this point when he robbed that home run against Wright State. It was it was mighty impressive. So you're ten and two now on the season. Uh, Dave Van Horn was talking about Dylan Carter yesterday. Also mentioned that um, who's the pitcher that they lost? I had that Cody Frank is out for the year. He mentioned that as well. So the, now they got the injury bug. Yeah, bad. and he also said Brady's or I guess Slade Slavin's earlier. Brady Tiger's out five to six weeks. So you've you've lost Jackson Wiggins for the year, Cody Frank for the year. Your closer is out a considerable amount of time. We'll miss a good chunk of conference play. How do you how do you how do you fix this if you're that pitching your Hobbs? Well, there is no fix. Next man, you've got to develop. You've got to get guys out there, and you got to put them in the fire. You got to throw them in the deep end, see what happens, and let them work through it. Let them screw up. And understand that it's not going to be perfect. 
You know, you're going to be calling upon some guys to do some things that maybe you didn't plan on calling them to do or calling upon them to do. And sometimes they're going to be able to come through and sometimes they're not. And you're going to have to fight through that. You're going to have to develop it. And, you know, you hope as you go that those guys do come along and that you're able to, you know, have the kind of bullpen you feel like you need to have to contend. Uh, these are these are issues. There's no doubt about it. And um, they've talked about their depth. And, you know, they're going to have to call upon it probably a little sooner than they plan. Yeah. The good news is you've had a few weeks of non-conference games, midweek games, Still got some of those early in the conference slate to get guys innings and to try them out. This weekend series with Louisiana Tech, I remember Arkansas going down there and you know battling. They had to go to extra innings in the final game, maybe even to win that series. This will not be a rollover weekend for Arkansas. So at least you've got some some innings and some opportunities and some time before SEC play to see what these guys can do. Yeah, you're about to run out of time, but yeah. you do have a little bit. And, um, you know, that's, um, you know, it would be nice if they could answer all those questions in a short amount of time. I really don't think they're going to be able to do that. I think this is going to bleed over into conference, and I think they're going to have to deal with it as they play conference games. Um, that's just the reality of the situation right now. Doesn't mean they're not going to win their games. I'm not saying that. Doesn't mean they're doomed. I'm just saying they're going to have to work through some things as they play games, and that's hard to do. We saw it in basketball. Um, it's hard to do while you're playing because, um, you know, you, again, you just got to throw them out there. You got to throw them out there and, you know, let them sink or swim. Mm -hmm. You talk about winning the game, Chuck. I, I thought it was funny what Dave Van Horn said yesterday when it came to what the, could have been the outcome. There's a little extra today. I think that our players recognize it, that it's a little different when you go to a school like Army. I mean, you're representing everybody. And, I mean, you could tell that our fans were, they wanted us to win, but they probably were okay if we lost. That's kind of the sense I had, you know, because we were playing Army. You know, you just, you respect it. You respect those guys over there. And How many times you heard him say that? Well, I don't think he would have been okay yeah. with a loss. I mean, I don't, I don't think he would have been okay in giving him a salute and said, well, you know, thank you. <laughs> I don't think that was going to happen. Well, no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you want to play and win and, I don't care who you're playing yeah. because they want to beat you. Yeah, he wanted to be all he could be yesterday, I promise you. <laughs> he he touched on that. We we often talk about that Alabama in football gets everyone's best shots. Kentucky in basketball has – I know Arkansas still doesn't have the national championship in baseball. You've got quite a pedigree with the College World Series, but is that the SEC team that everyone else gets up for, you think? Have, has, one of them. Has that – at least one of the so Arkansas is at least in that category the, for when well, they have been for a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, um, you may base your opinion on whether or not somebody wins a national championship, but I guarantee you, in college baseball, nobody thinks any less of Arkansas because they have it. And yeah, I mean, now it's not like it was when they first started playing there. You'd see the other teams come out for batting practice, and they'd all have their cameras and they'd be taking pictures. Um, it's not like that now because everybody's got a good facility. But, yeah, these guys come south, playing good stadiums, big crowds. Yeah, they want to play. They want to win. You think people don't get up to beat Tennessee? They had not won yeah. a national title. They won't beat yeah. the hell out of Tony Vitale in Tennessee right now. But that might be for reasons beyond different, just their different good, reason, The antics more of. Hey, it's Phil Elson. From all these years watching baseball, I've grown accustomed to watching closers in their element. James Teague isn't closing innings anymore, he's closing cases. With almost 30 years in the business, Teague Law Firm is a general practice firm that can help you with most family law issues, divorce, custody, and child support. They can also help with criminal law, both felonies and misdemeanors. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785, 531-2785, online at teague-law.com. The Teague Law Firm, if they can't help you, they'll talk baseball. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, 
where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. One of the guys I'm really excited to see this weekend in Nashville is Blake Lovell. Used to do radio with him there. He's the editor of 14 Southeastern. And when it comes to SEC basketball, there's not many better than Blake. Blake, appreciate you waking up early with us this morning. Outside of Arkansas, there's plenty of storylines to get into. I want to know what you think about Tennessee without Sakai Ziegler, and not just for this tournament, but moving forward. How you think Rick Barnes' squad is going to be able to handle not having their their catalyst at point guard? Yeah, Ty. I mean, I think it's. Um, I, I think Tennessee's a wild card because I. I don't. I feel like we say that every March at this point, but I mean that, that's kind of what they are to me. And I know Tennessee fans probably aren't happy about that because it's they've had a, a really good season overall when you look at it, and obviously defensively we know what they're capable of. But I don't know what to expect from them game in and game out at this point. It's one thing to. You know, beat South Carolina by 40. It's another thing to, you know, I think play better teams and not get the consistency you need, especially on the offensive side, to be able to beat some of these teams in a tournament-type setting. So um, I think the good thing for Tennessee in this in the SEC tournament is that I think at least the bracket matchup-wise uh, feels like it breaks pretty well for them, um, you know, obviously until they would play in Alabama on Saturday. But I just I don't know that I have you know that confidence in them to to be a team that makes it to the second weekend in the NCAA tournament and um, I know a lot of people will tie in the Rick Barnes history with that but I just think it's it's so hard to know with the team uh, because like you said not having Ziegler on the floor I just think he's the guy that sort of drives everything so they're a lock Blake do you see seven other teams making the NCAA tournament sure seems like eight's been the magic number associated with this conference going to postseason. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think Mississippi State's in a has to win. You know, I think they're they're must win against Florida to me because I think if they lose that game, I just think they're going to get left out. Um, I know you know some Mississippi State fans are not agree with me on that, but I don't know how you could feel that confident that you're actually even in the tournament right this second. I think they're right there on the line. Um, you know, even going beyond the the usual people we see bracketology wise, I just think Mississippi State is right there in terms of one, two, three. You know. In at the very end, like I think that's it. So if you lose a Florida team outside the field, I just don't know that they get in. So yeah, I, that's the only scenario because Vanderbilt. I think it set up okay for Vanderbilt probably about four days ago to where I thought that if maybe they win a couple games, beat a Georgia LSU, beat Kentucky, uh, they would have enough quality uh, quality of a resume I think to get in over some of the other bubble teams around them. But what started to happen, you know, it's like. Other teams start to win. They start to take some of those bids, and I just think they're further away now. So, yeah, everybody else feels like a, a lock outside of those two, but um, Mississippi State's the one to watch for sure. Most in our state feel like Arkansas is a lock or in the tournament. Maybe not a lock, but a highly probable. What, what's your opinion from the outside looking in on where the Razorbacks stand for Selection Sunday? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think they're a lock too, but I, you know, I've said many times, I just, I think the Arkansas's resume, there, there's really no reason, I think, for the computers and the metrics to love Arkansas as much as they do. And um, it's just a, a fact of looking at, you know, overall record for one. I mean, they are 19 as well. They have 12 losses. Um, but they do have that going for them. They, they, you know, the, the computers, the metrics, the results, the predictives, they all love Arkansas. And I think from a talent standpoint, obviously, if you're the committee, you're looking at it, and, and we've you know, talked about this a lot over the past couple of weeks, is, yes, the, the Nick Smith thing is going to be factored in uh, in terms of playing that many games without him. But, you know, there's also probably going to be people in that room that are going to say, well, you know, if they play some games with him here towards the end and they haven't been able to beat some of these good teams that we also have in the field. So I think that's a, an interesting discussion, but I do believe they're going to get the benefit of the doubt on that um, because, again, if you play the entire season out again with him playing, you know, it's probably different. They're going to win some other games somewhere, even if they've lost some with them. So, uh, yeah, they're in the field. But I do think Arkansas and Missouri are the two teams that I would not be shocked if they have sort of the widest range of seeding based on where people think they're at right now. Wouldn't be shocked if Arkansas is a bit higher than people think. Would also not be shocked if Arkansas is a little bit lower than people think. So, if you you mentioned Mississippi State, and I just asked you about Arkansas. Where do you stand with teams like Florida, like uh, Missouri, Vanderbilt? Some are in the tournament, but uh, 
where do you stand with them in seeding, and who do you think might be squarely on the bubble other than Mississippi State going into Nashville this week? Yeah, yeah I mean, I think Missouri is, you know, they're in, and I think, again, they're one that they're the opposite of Arkansas. Computers do not love Missouri at all, and, you know, the metrics I don't think have done them any favors, but what Missouri has going for them is they don't have a bad loss anywhere, and I think that's something that you can lean on and it's honestly going to all depend on what the committee values this year. And that's why I think Vanderbilt is such a very interesting discussion is what is the committee? And I feel like this changes every year. Um, one year they'll tell you if they, tell us they value this. One year they'll tell you they value that. Uh, but what's it going to be this year? Because I think for Vanderbilt, it's one of those teams that, look, they started to rack up some quality wins. Um, yes, they've got a couple bad losses. But, you know, that's always a discussion, too, is, should a bad loss, you know, way back in November or early December, should that be what ultimately guides, you know, the, the biggest part of your, your resume? And, you know, it, it, we play all the games for a reason, right? So it's like they have to factor those in. And so I think Vanderbilt's going to be very interesting because I, I could see, again, a scenario where I think they're going to have a lot more work to do. I think probably getting at least to the semifinals is, Actually, that's probably the championship game, honestly, guys. Like, I just, the more I look at it, I just think they're further back than some of these other teams. So, um, yeah, it, they just got work to do. And, and, you know, otherwise, I look at all these other teams. You know, Missouri's in good shape. Auburn, I think, locked up their spot um, after beating Tennessee at the end of the regular season. So, it really is probably just a matter of Mississippi State. Can they get that one win or more wins to lock up their bid? Vanderbilt, meanwhile, I just I still feel like is, is getting further away due to what's happening around them. Blake, is Bama a lock for a one seed? Is there anything they can do, maybe lose straight on Friday, that would prevent them being called as a one seed come Sunday? I, I think the only lightest possibility that, that they could get pushed back is if they play Florida on Friday, lose that game, and then basically you have, you know, the other, whatever, three or four teams that would be in that same discussion, uh, which, you know, obviously Kansas, Houston, I don't think are going anywhere. I guess it would basically tie be down to what, probably UCLA and Purdue at that point. Maybe, you know, if both those teams win their tournaments, Alabama loses to a team projected outside the field in Florida, perhaps. But I am just of the opinion, I don't see how Alabama moves out of a number one seed, no matter what happens on Friday. Um, because think about this too, right? We, we say this every year with the SEC tournament. What is the committee really going to value? Because we saw Texas A&M make an unbelievable run last year, and the committee basically flat out said, hey, it didn't really change our mind all that much. Um, and I think that's what you always have to keep in mind. For the bubble teams, I think it will really matter. But for the teams that have basically showed you exactly what they are for 30 games, and there's a consistency there, which with Alabama there is, uh, you know, Mississippi State there's not, I don't know that they're going to knock those teams, even if they lose one game in a conference tournament. So that's why I think Alabama is pretty safe in terms of that number one seed. You mentioned A&M in Tampa last year. The team they beat in the semis was Arkansas. And I think there's some fans here that are holding out hope that Arkansas can be the team that got hot like the Aggies did last year. Is there anything that you would point to that would give you that hope? Or is Arkansas just a team that you don't expect to do much in Nashville? Well, I mean, I think just the talent alone, I mean, you know, again, it's right. I mean, let's think about this time. Like if we rank the, these teams, if we re-rank them in a tournament setting just based on talent, I mean, they're, they're probably top three in my opinion. So I think just based on that alone, uh, yes, they can, they can always make a run if the pieces start to click together. And as you and I know, Eric, most of us worked a little magic at, uh, in Nashville before. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you and I they were there front row to see that uh, when he was at Nevada and, you know, worked two miracle comebacks in that NCAA tournament that year. But, you know, it, it is one of those things where I think it's just, can things click? Can they finally click? Because we've seen things click, um, you know, in recent years. Because as we, we all have talked about, they're, they've been the last team standing uh, the last two seasons. But, yes, it does feel like there's something missing from this team that maybe the previous two teams had. And I, I think there's a possibility they can do it because actually when you look at that bottom part of the bracket, I mean, in terms of style and matchups, you play Auburn first. I mean, Auburn's not, you know, they're shooting the ball better. That's something we can't forget about Auburn. They're not a great shooting team, but they've been actually shooting it a lot better recently. But they're still not one of those teams. And I think, 
you know, that can just are going to completely overwhelm you. Defensively, they're really good, but I feel like it's a good matchup, right, for Arkansas. Then you get to A&M, two teams that I think just stylistically, the way they're going to play, it's a very aggressive, you know, attack type of scenario with those two teams. You know how A&M is. They're going to get to the free throw line. It's a hard road, I think, for Arkansas to get to an SEC championship. But I think they do match up well with these teams that are down there near the bottom. Um, and it's just a matter of seeing, can they put it all together? The talent's there. Can they find those intangibles? Because I just don't know that they've been able to find those when they play some of these better teams. Blake, we'll leave it there. Blake Lovell, editor for 14 Southeastern, covering all things, not just SEC basketball, but other SEC themes as well. Blake, I'll see you tomorrow, man. Look forward to catching up, and we'll see what happens to this Razorback team come tomorrow night. Sounds good. Appreciate you guys. Chuck, he's talking about gel in there and, and this team. You mentioned, again, we, we talked about the, the mental aspect of all this. I mean, the fact that they're kind of in a new city for a day or so, they're not just doing basketball stuff, they're just hanging out. I mean, can that play into the idea that this team can come together at this point on the court a little more than we've seen? Well, sometimes you go on the road and you do come together. Um, you know, they'll practice today and they'll practice tomorrow. And, um, you know, they're in basketball mode still and, um, strange things happen at tournaments. I mean, strange things happen at tournaments, and, and there'll be some strange things that happen in this one. You know, the interesting thing's going to be um, how much weight does the committee put in the conference tournament? Last year, they didn't put any weight in it. Sometimes these pendulums swing from one extreme to the other, uh, meaning that, you know, if you get heat one year for not putting any <laughs> emphasis on the conference tournament, you put too much the next year. So I don't know. Well, you know, we'll just have to see how it all plays out. I wish that they would go back to the days where they put more emphasis on what you're doing in the final ten ball games. Um, you know, if Vanderbilt doesn't blow that game against LSU, they'd won nine straight. You know, they they win nine straight SEC games, and if you win nine straight SEC games. You deserve, you know, you're among the 68 best, period, end of story. And um, I wish they'd go back to maybe doing that. But when they call me, I'll be sure to tell them that. <laughs> Introducing Your Choice Tuesday at Buffalo Wild Wings. Buy one, get one 50% off on our traditional wings on Tuesdays. Then the best thing about Thursday at Buffalo Wild Wings is buy one, get one free on our boneless wings. Both offers are now available for dine-in and carry-out. Some exclusions apply. Visit your Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Fort Smith, and in Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Roar! Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic, just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Ricky Council adds to his All-SEC list. The Associated Press announced yesterday he is a second-team All-SEC guy. No mention of Anthony Black or Debo Davis, who were picked by the coaches, but not with the Associated Press. Nick Davis is one of the Arkansas SEC legends that's going to be honored, not only at halftime during the Auburn game, but also during the semifinals. Chuck, what do you remember about Razorback rebounder Nick Davis in the late 90s? 
And Nicky was a rebounder now. That's what I remember. I mean, he was fierce on the boards. And um, he was a good player. Good player. Basically averaged 10 a game. I think it was a 98 season. But he's going to be one of the guys that are honored. You've had a number of Razorbacks honor this. Nolan Richardson, of course. And Iman Creef, Joe Klein, Ron Brewer, Lee Mayberry, Todd Day. So a lot of former Razorbacks, they do this. I think it's a cool gesture on the SEC's part that they do it, not just for Arkansas, but each team in the tournament each year. It's kind of weird, you know, with all this blending of the conferences. I mean, there's going to be a point where the SEC um, says Kevin Durant's an SEC legend, (laughs) you know, when you bring Texas in. When's, you know, when's Wayman Tisdale going to be posthumously inducted into the SEC Hall of Fame? I, I mean, it's weird. I mean, like Joe Klein was honored as an SEC legend, but he never played in the SEC. So, um, you know, it's nice that they do honor the legends of the programs, and I think it's important to do that. And it is a little strange now that a lot of these guys that will be honored and have been honored didn't actually play in the SEC. But, I mean, you know, um, you honor the legends of your program. And that's what we've done and will continue to do. And sometimes, too, you know, here's the reality. Sometimes, too, scheduling has a lot to do with this. Um, You know, sometimes you may have someone that you'd like to induct, not just for us, but for lots of places. And they'll say, I got a conflict this year. Let's do it next year. You know, and and so sometimes that plays into all this, too, when somebody goes in. I think they're bringing this back for the first time since COVID. So it's been a couple of years since they've had... Uh, legends are, that they've honored at halftime, and then they'll have a big deal for all of them on Saturday. So this hasn't—it's something that hasn't happened in a few years now. It's cool that the uh, these halls of fame generally are are uh, you know in terms of what we see, all they do is bring them out during a timeout. I mean that's all they do, or mm-hmm. honor them before the game. Mainly, it's for them and their families. They have a three or four day. Uh, event, and um, I've been to a few of these, and they um, you know. They basically, you know, throw a, you know, throw a little party for the inductee and his or her family. And I think it's great. I think it's great they do it. But from a fan standpoint, the only time we really see it is when they bring them out there on the floor. And generally, they're back in the studio at halftime, and they'll show a little clip of it before the second half starts. Baseball-wise, you win 7-5 to five against Army yesterday. Uh, Coach was talking about a variety of things in the press conference, including the status of Cody Frank. His season's over. You know, he's going to have procedure done on uh, Monday. Don't ask me to describe it, but uh, try to get him ready for next year. It's my mind jumped to Tommy John. Is that... Is that too much, or was that is that a bridge too far? Well, I mean, I don't know. He's going to have season-ending surgery. I mean, that's you know, that's the first thing you think about. Whatever it is, it's season-ending, and they're going they'll try to get him ready for next year. You know, a lot of things. ACL is usually season-ending, so mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, it could be it could be a variety of things. So, but with a pitcher, you that's that's where your it's mind an arm injury of yeah. some yeah. sort, right? Yeah, I mean, it's an arm injury, obviously. Coach talked about Dylan Carter stepping up yesterday. They're going to need him and a variety of other guys. Is the pitching rotation is getting a lot more thin than it was before they start with the loss of Jackson Wiggins for the year, Brady Tiger for several weeks, and now Cody Frank out for the season. This is your weekly Isaiah Joe update. He had an outstanding game against the Warriors last night. Outside Isaiah Joe. He also had Jalen Williams had a career high last night. Listen to the stat line, guys. 15 points, career high, six boards, two assists, one steal, and two charges drawn. That doesn't sound like Jajen. Jalen does it yeah. in two charges, still doing it at the next level. But the Thunder walloped the Warriors last night, which was awesome. They scored, I think, 130 points, which was pretty cool. So uh, two guys, again, former Razorbacks, former Northside Grizzlies that are having uh, solid years. And, Chuck, I like what you said a week or so ago. It's nice for them that the Thunder's really going young and playing them because you go into other situations. For example, Moses is having a good season kind of switching back and forth. He's on, I think it's the San Jose Warriors is their G League team. And when he goes there, he drops like 20-something. But it's just kind of a different rotation right now based on what they have on the roster compared to OKC. Fit's important. You know, you got to be in the right spot. And look, there's value in being in a great organization. There's value in playing on championship teams. I mean, you know, Moses Moody has hardware. You know, these other guys don't and won't for a while. So, you know, there's a, there's a flip side to it. But for Jalen and Isaiah, it's perfect 
because they're in an organization that's going young right now. They're in a youth movement. And, you know, Golden State's trying to win the NBA championship. Oklahoma City's not. And so um, from a professional basketball player's perspective, as crazy as it sounds, um, that's a good situation for these guys. Last thing here in your hog update, you added Jaheim Singletary yesterday, a former five-star, former fifth-best cornerback in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. Transfer from Georgia, played in three games last year. I know Sam Pittman and company are excited about that. He signed his SEC agreement, so hopefully we'll get an update on him soon. That's going to do it for your hog update. It is brought to you by Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888 Guys, it is uh, National Meatball Day. Mm. You guys prefer spaghetti meatballs or spaghetti meat sauce? Oh, choose one. Just do both. Just have just have meat sauce with meatballs. About you, Chuck. You got any spaghetti and meatballs in Nashville? I have not. No, Um, I'm going to go sauce. I mean, if it's sauce and meatballs, but not just meatballs alone. No. You used to bring in Laura's homemade. Spaghetti you hadn't done that in a while. It's been a year or two. I've got a, I've got, and I, I don't know if I brought these to you. They, um, I've got a homemade meatball recipe that we do. How about that? that? Is really good. So, so I've, I hadn't had made those in a while. So. Is that hers or yours? It's actually my sister in law's. Okay, I so, gotcha. Uh, got it from my brother, so it's, uh, it's his wife. Now, recipe. is that a family recipe that's kept under lock and key, or is it one that you share with your friends I'll, and family? I'll share it with you. I know some people are very, very stringent upon certain recipes. They will not give them. They'll make it for them, but they won't give it to give them away to anyone else. You know me when I get stringent. Boy, there's not going to give away any secrets on on the meatball recipe or the barbecue rub. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. So we asked the question, what would you change about the SEC tournament? Matt Baldwin says he wants to eliminate it just to tick off Kentucky fans, uh, which is always I'm in favor of. But The the reason I asked this question during the break to you is we're going to expand, obviously, to 16 teams. So Mm -hmm. there's going to have to be some level of tinkering done to the format. So while you've got kind of an opportunity to make changes, what other things would you present or how would you align or set up the format beginning when Oklahoma and Texas make it a 16-team league. So, obviously, something's going to have to have to happen with this tournament bracket, Chuck. Yeah, I don't know what you do there. Maybe you go to pool play like the ACC does, which I don't really understand, to be honest with you, because we've never done it that way. But, yeah, there'll have to be some kind of change. Exactly what it'll be, I don't know. Um, so, you know, they've uh, – I was thinking during the break about, you know, what would I change about the tournament? I was thinking of it in its present tense, and I I, I think they do a good job of running the tournament. It's going to be obviously harder to bracket it when you get those teams in, but they'll figure it out. The simplest thing you could do and not tinker too much with the format is you play four games in the first round, meaning because um, you're going to have 16 seeds if you keep everyone in. I don't see a, uh, them going back to where teams don't qualify for the tournament. It's just it's too much revenue, too much travel. Uh, you know, you got to get the, teams the, into the big dance. Yeah, right. The, the, the city you know. of Nashville wants everyone there. That's kind of part of the deal, and it's about getting teams to the tournament. So what you could do is play four first-round games instead of two on Wednesday, and that would mean seeds 10 through 16 
Uh, you'd eliminate half of those and then move it into basically the the same the same thing you've got now on Thursday, and by adding two more games on that'd be the simplest fix yeah. in my estimate when you add two more teams. You've got to find a way to protect your teams too, though. The one thing you do not want to have happen is a tournament that diminishes your chances the following week. Yep. You don't want a five six day brawl. I mean, you don't want that. Um, I mean, it'd be great entertainment. But I think in terms of protecting your teams, you've also got to format this and you've got to make sure that you do right by your schools in terms of those who are going to be into the big dance. Because let's be honest, um, we've passed the era where what happens at the conference tournament has a dramatic effect on what the bracket's going to look like on Sunday night. We're, we're way past that now in college basketball. So however they do it, you've got to make sure you protect your school. And I think... What I'm just saying that I think is real simple to figure out. It's not like I've had to do, you know, rocket surgery here to figure this out. Teams one through eight in the seeding would still get that bye through that first round into the second round. Teams one through four would still get a bye into the quarterfinals. So it would be teams nine through 16 under an expanded SEC that would have to play potentially five games to win the whole thing. What about just eliminating 15 and 16? Well, I'm... I, I assume they don't want to go because there was a day where only 12 of the 14 made it, I believe. Um, th- there's been a day where they didn't take the bottom two teams. I, d- I just don't think they're going to do that again because they want representation from each member's school that's there. And this year, you know, good chance that Oklahoma would be one of those schools not there. They're one of the bottom teams of the Big 12, and I presume they would probably perform on a similar basis in the SEC. Yeah, they'll, uh, you know, like I say, I, I haven't really thought about it, to be honest, but um, they'll get it figured out. Well, this thing never come back to Dallas. It's in the Nashville for a, a lengthy contract right now. Are we ever going to, because it, it was huge in the Southwest Conference, are we ever going to see a foothold where the SEC starts playing stuff in Dallas, it's, media days, conference tournament, yes, anything like that? I think you will. But I think this basketball event's locked in the, I mean, there's no rotation to like Tampa or St. Louis or New Orleans like we've seen, you know, one-offs. I don't think they do that until like 2032 or something. I mean, it's a a lengthy time that it's in Nashville every year, Mm -hmm. best I remember on that, when they announced that several years ago. Nashville's a good spot for it. Um, You've got a downtown arena. You've got hotels within walking distance. Uh, That's a relatively safe area down there. Um, I think it's a good spot, and I'm glad that they're going to put it there for a while. You may see some things here and there in Dallas, but – you know, the SEC's been headquartered in the Deep South for a long time, and, you know, I don't I don't see that changing very much. If I could do one thing, if I got autonomy over one event, it would be the baseball tournament moving to Memphis. I'd do that in a heartbeat, put it at AutoZone, downtown Memphis, but yeah. it's well, been in Hoover on that one-way road that you can't, no one can get in or out of when there's a crowd. Yeah, and, but you got oh. you got to house all those teams, man. Yeah. you got to house all those teams. And the safety of, of those kids, the safety of those kids is what's paramount. I'm just going to be candid. And, I, you know, if it makes people mad, it makes people mad. You can't turn 16 ball teams loose in downtown Memphis. You just can't. Something's going to happen. Memphis wouldn't and, survive. Uh, you just uh, – well, no, I'm talking about oh, these I, kids. I, I, something, something, something's going to happen to one of those kids. And um, you can't do that. You just can't. And um, that's the one thing about downtown ballparks is that um, it's hard to play a tournament there with college teams. The thing that makes Hoover – the ballpark's outdated. The facility's outdated. Uh, there are many, many, many better facilities to play the SEC baseball tournament in than the Hoover Met or whatever it's called now. But you will never find a better setting than what they have at the uh, at the big Winfrey Hotel there and the you know auxiliary hotels that are around that. Um, everything's centered around that. It's a good, safe area. Kids can get out and roam. And you don't have to, you know, unless they just get really stupid, you don't have to worry about bad things happening. And so that stuff's important. It's really important. And it's on the conference's mind when they pick these sites. And that's the thing that has kept Memphis out of the equation. I'm just going to be honest. That's the thing that's kept them out of the equation. And it's the reason the tournament will not be there uh, is because of that. And um, you have to take those things into consideration. We've got people that listen to this show in Memphis. I've got several buddies that I went to school with that are from Memphis, and I thought they were going to be Memphis for lifer, but I've got friends that are leaving after living there for, with the exception of college for 
their entire life that are moving to Northwest Arkansas just because of certain things that are, that are happening there. Well, right you got to have food. You got to have fast food. You got to have food around where these kids stay. I can just tell you, you've 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 got to have places for them to go eat. And I'm not talking about places where it's going to cost you fifty bucks to sit down. You've got to be in one of these areas where you got a mall, you got a bunch of restaurants around. You got places for them to walk around, get outside, do things like that. You're you're talking about when you talk about bringing sixteen, even fourteen teams together. I mean, start doing the math. That's a lot of people, and um, all those things have to be taken into consideration. If you played that thing in Memphis, you'd have to house them out in East Memphis and bus them in. I mean, you just would. So I think the the tournaments, Kansas City is the host of the Big 12 tournament. I think Vegas is also the host of the Pac-12, if I remember that right. I think Charlotte's the ACC. They just wrapped up the uh, WCC last night. Yeah, Charlotte's, I think, the ACC. And then I'm forgetting where the Big 10 is. But guys, what other tournaments? Indianapolis, usually. Indianapolis. What other tournaments are you going to be paying? I I think the Big 12 is the best tournament that they put on in these conferences each year. There was my sophomore year of college. I went to Kansas City Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and then drove from – Kansas City to Fayetteville to Nashville for the SEC championship to watch Arkansas lose in that game. That was a lot of driving, but I think for my money, Kansas City's the best event of this of these conference tournaments. I think Nashville's getting better just because the city's getting bigger. It's mm-hmm. getting better. It's um, you know it's an NFL city. It may become a Major League Baseball city. They're going to build a new stadium for the NFL team there. Um, you know. Wouldn't surprise me if it becomes an NBA city at some point. I, I I think Nashville is one of the great spots for conference tournaments. Yeah, I think it's a good setting. I think it's um, you know I think they've they've they found the right spot. That's why they signed a long term deal because they know it. I've never been to a tournament in Kansas City. We played up there last year, I guess, in that Hall of Fame thing. First time I'd ever been up there for basketball. Big Twelve, though, is a good tournament. I'm not sure what the Big Twelve uh, format is. Do they do pool play? They, uh, I think it's like the SEC, except they start a day earlier. If I remember correctly, I think their championships on Saturday. Maybe and you're right. Maybe so. The SEC That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, I think that uh, that that is a setup on that. But it's cool, Chuck. Did you go to the college basketball experience when you were there by chance? No, I did not. That's no. a, it's a college basketball Hall of Fame. It is it is about as cool of a sight. And I I like professional sports, but that was one of the coolest. They had this huge bird magic shrine and everything else. Well, it's really cool. One thing about when you get into Missouri, Kansas, Iowa, that that part of the country north of us, we I mean, we love our football here and we love our basketball, but because of the climate, because of the weather, because of the farming culture, they love their basketball because they love going indoors to watch events and be entertained. And there's all, I mean, whatever level, high school to small college to big time college basketball, there's always good crowds for basketball games in that part mm-hmm. of the country. Birthplace of the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, that's 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 um, that's the heartland of basketball right there. I thought it was really cool when we got to go to Indianapolis two years ago and see Hinkle and you got all these small Indiana high schools and listening to – we had – Chuck, you probably talked to not just Arkansas fans but several Indianapolis and Indiana people that just came to watch the games. It was like their mecca. They thought it was the coolest thing ever that Indianapolis was housing everything there. Yeah, they play, uh, you know, their state high school tournaments are big. Basketball's the sport in Indiana. I mean, it's what you grow up playing. And, um, yeah, they're they're probably, you know, if you were to make a list of most knowledgeable college basketball fan bases, they, they'd probably be up there near the top. And I enjoyed the tournament being in Indianapolis. I understand why they move it around. And it was a lot more fun last year to go to different places. But, I thought they made the best of it. And if you were ever going to have a basketball tournament one site, probably Indianapolis. One of the, hey, let's well, talk about – go ahead, I'm I sorry. Say, one of the things I do enjoy, and that's going to be today at conference tournaments, open practices. So you get to go watch the team. They, I mean, they don't reveal a lot, but you do get to go see that. And you'll uh, you'll get to see all the teams, including the Razorbacks, get on the court for a little bit. 2.30 yeah. today. Yeah, yeah, get to go out there and watch them shoot, and everybody takes pictures and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, tournaments are fun in that respect. You do have an opportunity to uh, see some things that maybe you wouldn't see during the regular season. Hey, let's talk about money for just a second. I, I don't know how many of you have listened to the uh, Market Moment podcast from Mach 1 Financial, but, you know, these are local financial experts that 
talk about what's going on, not just here, but nationally and how it affects you. And, you know, sometimes they're talking about the stock market. Sometimes they're talking about the effects of the recession. Sometimes they're talking about making money in your 30s, learning in your 20s and earning in your 30s. Uh, that's one of the latest podcasts as well. And they just cover a wide variety of topics, and I think you'll enjoy listening to it. And you can check out the latest episode of The Market Moment by heading to Mach1FG.com. That's M-A-C-H, the number one, FG.com. Mach1 Financial LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. They're located in Bentonville, Arkansas. For full disclosures, you can visit Mach1Financial.com slash disclosures. Musk was talking about how important Devo and Kamani's presence is going to be heading into tomorrow night. He spoke to their leadership and experience. Experience in this tournament, you know, Devo's pretty important because he's the one guy that has experience in this tournament. And then Kamani's got a little as well. So both those guys, you know, I think are going to have have some importance in this postseason play. Guys, how do we think Devo bounces back tomorrow night after being ejected this past Saturday? I would imagine he's ready to play. Uh, you know, I mean, the game's going to dictate that. Auburn's going to have something to do with that. But um, I would imagine he'll be ready to go. He needs to play well. He's going to have to play well for Arkansas to win, I think. Think he guards Wendell Green? He's the guy well, that they probably maybe. used to, to guard him at some point. I mean, Wendell's... I don't know. He'll probably switch around. You know, and I'm sure there's some redemption or unfinished business. I know it wasn't with Auburn. It was with Kentucky, but not being there for your team for the last 18 months. Once a cooler head prevailed for Devo, I'm sure that you know, I'd love to know what his private thoughts are. And we, we may not ever know that on, you know, how he feels about not being out there the late, last 18 minutes. Because you can't sit here and say when your best defender's not in there, it wouldn't have made a difference. Um, well, so here's the thing, I'm sure though, and- that's in his mind. So. In terms of this game, though, I mean, you, you know, you just got to go on. I mean, you can't let the fact that you got teed up twice in the last game keep you from playing oh, with emotion. But you feel like you got something to prove. You feel like you owe your teammates. Well, or I would, I would like to think he that's feels why like he I owes say, teammates. That's why I said. I mean, I'm sure he'll be ready to play. I don't. I don't. I don't have any doubt about that. I don't know if Reeves would have scored 37 if Devo would have on him. As we brought up earlier this week, he had 15 in the first half. But I, I wonder how much of an impact Devo could have had in that second half if he had kept his composure at that point and you think I mean when you're an older guy on this team and you've been on this team for three years I mean his presence is is important it's not just important for him to be out there but it's for the other guys too it's for AB it's for Nick it's for Jordan it's for these younger guys it's for these transfers that in most cases haven't been anywhere near not just the elite eight but a tournament that's what Musk kept harping on the offseason it was like Devo and Kamani, they know what it takes to get there, and hopefully they can get rolling starting tomorrow night. Well, let me go back here. Devo shouldn't have been thrown out of the game. I mean, I'm not going to relive what happened last Saturday, but I'm not going to have people just say, well, Devo lost his composure. Devo shouldn't have been thrown out of the game. Um, Now, I, I know he was saying some things over there he shouldn't have said, but the idea that you're going to throw him out of the game and not punish Sheboy at all for what happened on that call. I mean, you have thrown out, thrown out one of the players that all those ticket buyers came to watch. And um, you had a situation with Sheboy where at the very least he got off easy. Now, I don't think, I personally believe, I mean, you got to throw a punch before you get thrown out of the game. I don't like having players thrown out of the game. I don't like having a player thrown out of the game for throwing an elbow. I don't like having a player thrown out of the game for his second tee. I'm going to say it respectfully. I don't know if Rob Rourke's a good ref or not. I don't know enough about it to say he's a technically good ref or a technically bad ref. But I know he had rabbit ears on Saturday, and he shouldn't have thrown him out of the ball game. You really, in my judgment, have to cross a severe line before you get thrown out of the game. So I'm not going to throw all – I'm not going to throw Devo under the bus for that. Should he have acted differently over on the bench? Yeah. Should somebody have grabbed him? Absolutely. But he shouldn't have been thrown out of the ball game. Um, that's not what people pay to come watch. And I think you've really got to do something bad before you get thrown out. So I, I, I know I'm digressing, and that may not be what you were talking about. But I do think we need to backtrack on that. He should not have been thrown out of the ballgame. The optics of it and the fact that Shibwe 
on the er, early in the game on that double foul that was then changed to a foul and an F1. And then the other elbow situation isn't doesn't seem equitable. I, I know they're two totally different things. And then the optics of the fact that Debo was 50 feet away. Rob Roy well, was at half court. Debo was on the baseline when he was ejected from the ball game. Was he acting in, was he acting in a unsporting manner? That's putting it nicely. But I hear what you're saying, Chuck. And I, uh, I think you I got rabbit this. ears. I, well, I, don't even know could, hey, I don't even know how you can hear it. That building was loud at that moment. How could you even hear what Debo was saying? He was waving his arms. He was being demonstrative. Was he out about, you know, could you justify it by rule? Yes, but it didn't fit the game at that moment. No. I mean, uh, um, you know, what if they give Shibway a personal foul and, uh, uh, and a flagrant That's foul? That's exactly what I think should have happened two fouls. He's so. got two fouls at the 16-23 mark. He doesn't play the rest of the first half. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.